Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back. Happy Saturday. We are talking about BitTorrent updates. Tales from the Trenches. There's a big case that came out of San Diego Southern District Court. This is federal court. These copyright cases are brought. And uh, aside from some other cases that are that are brought as the discovery cases in Florida, we're not going to go too much into that today. What we're going to go into is a case where Strike Three Holdings, so the pornography producer, filed thousands of lawsuits in federal courts and these bill of discovery cases in Florida state court, which we talked about on other videos and blogs and whatnot. But this is about a case where they seek early discovery. Let's talk a little bit about it just so you have some background. Basically, you know, if you file a lawsuit against somebody in federal court, usually you file the lawsuit and then it gets filed. And then at some point, there's a there's a meeting of, of counsel, Rule 26F, Rule 26F as in Frankfurter. You get together, you discuss discovery timeframes and things like that. And then... Ultimately, you agree on some dates, the judge approves it, and then away you go. You get to do discovery and send interrogatories, set depositions, you can do all kinds of things. So um, that's usually the typical case. But in what happens in these strike three cases is they don't want to wait and go through that process. They want to unmask a, a defendant, a DOE defendant, usually, DOE means they don't know the person's name, and they want to unmask these people, find out their name and address, and then determine if they're an infringer and do what it is that they do, either dismiss a case or settle a case or so on. So, but in these cases, they're seeking early discovery. Now, a lot of courts have kind of just went over this and said, fine, you're seeking early discovery, no deal. Just you know, nobody's here, many, many, if not all cases, nobody's really opposing it. And so they get their early discovery, they serve a subpoena on your internet service. Provider, maybe it's Cox or Comcast or Verizon, one of those. WebPass is another one. But say, so they're wanting to get your name and address. They want to get your name and address from a, a from basically your usage of the internet. You're the subscriber. They want to unmask you. They want to know who you are so they can do some further research to determine if they want to go after you, okay, or to seek to settle or whatever the case may be, as I mentioned. So. Um, in this case, the same thing happened. Plaintiff filed a, um, apparently, um, from what I'm noticing, filed one of those strike three, one of those um, federal, what do they call it, the Bill of Discovery cases. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Essentially, I'm going to read you this order so you understand it better. But um, apparently, this was one of those cases where it started with a Bill of Discovery in Florida, Miami-Dade County. And those things are, if they're not opposed, they're usually granted from what I have seen. And when they're opposed, they're, they're usually not challenged. In other words, strike three will say, oh, you're opposing? Uh, okay. And sometimes a defendant may say, well, 
I don't want to be sued in Florida. I want to be sued here, in which case strike three uh, states that they will gladly comply with that. But I don't see them actually challenging the motion to quash in, in Florida. Okay, so I'm not licensed in Florida. I'm not a Florida attorney, nothing like that. I'm not going to tell you uh, anything more about Bill of Discovery. But uh, basically, if those if a quash is filed, then or if the um, defendant in that action says, I want to be in my, my federal court, let's say I want to be, a, I'm from San Diego, let's say, you know, I prefer to be sued where I'm at just for comfort and convenience. And so a case could be removed and refiled. Now, I, must, I don't want to say refiled. I want to say a complaint can be filed then in federal court, and that's what we're seeing happen, okay? So this was a case that started that way. Strike three then filed in federal court. I'm going to give you the case number in case you want to look it up on PACER, federal PACER. That's The case number is 20-CV-00209-0001. Dash B as in biscuit, A as in astronaut, S as in Stephen, J L B as in biscuit. Okay, so that's the case number. This is Judge Burkhardt, Jill Burkhardt, United States Magistrate Judge. And this order came down on March 11, 2020. So this is not long ago. And basically the court was looking, and I and I really applaud this decision because the court was doing something that I think is very, very important, and that is establishing whether the criteria for early discovery is actually met, okay? Like I said, early discovery is considered to be a rare thing. It's not considered something you do in every single case. Generally, you go through the court process. Well, we know Strike 3 has filed thousands of cases, and so um, maybe they don't want to go through the whole process. Maybe it's more time-consuming, more expensive. I'm not quite sure. I've never actually heard why uh, there is a rush to get a name and address and they can't go through the regular process. But this judge, Judge Burkhardt, took a look at that and said, well, wait a second here. There are some standards and let's see if they're met. And I'm going to just read this to you here. This is the order from the judge verbatim before the court is plaintiff's ex parte motion for leave to serve a third party subpoena. That's the one on the ISP, as I mentioned prior to a Rule 26F conference. No opposition was filed as no defendant has been named or served. So usually nobody knows this is even going on. For the reasons set forth below, plaintiff's ex parte motion is denied without prejudice. That means subject to future things, they could try it again. Well, background. This is one of the numerous cases filed by plaintiff alleging copyright infringement claims against a John Doe defendant using the BitTorrent file sharing system. Plaintiff alleges that it is the copyright owner of motion pictures distributed through adult content websites, Blacked, Tushy, Blacked Raw, and Vixen. Plaintiff alleges that between December 3rd, 2018 and December 8th, 2019, the person or entity assigned internet protocol IP address and has an IP address, illegally downloaded and distributed 55 of plaintiff's motion pictures through his, her, or its use of the online BitTorrent file distribution network. On January 30th, 2020, plaintiff commenced this action against John Doe, defendant John Doe, subscriber IP assigned with the IP address. The complaint alleges a single claim of copyright infringement. 
because defendant used the internet to commit the alleged infringement, plaintiff alleges that it knows defendant only by his, her, or its IP address, which was assigned to defendant by the internet service provider, ISP WebPass. In the present motion, plaintiff asserts that WebPass is the owner of defendant's IP address and thus is the only party with the information necessary to identify defendant. Plaintiff therefore seeks leave to serve a Rule 45 subpoena on WebPass, requesting the name and address associated with the IP address, the IP address set for. So they want to know, I have an IP address, infringement was traced here, we need the name and address of him, her, or it. Um, legal standard, this is very important. This is what the court then moved into the legal standard. Discovery is not permitted before the parties have conferred pursuant to Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 26F as in Frankfurter, unless authorized by court order. So this is what they're seeking, the court order to get around that. F FRCP 26D as in dog one, however, in rare cases, notice the word rare. However, in rare cases, courts have made exceptions, permitting limited discovery to ensue after filing of the complaint to permit the plaintiff to learn the identifying facts necessary to permit service on the defendant. So this is what they want. They want to get the name and address so they can either settle the case or investigate it further or serve a, a, a summons and complaint, okay? Moving on, they request to conduct discovery prior to Rule 26F. Conference are granted upon a showing of good cause by the moving party. So they're the moving party. They have to show good cause. The burden is on them to show good cause, which may, no, I'm not, that's my, my adding that, but let me go back, which may be found, quote, where the need for expedited discovery in consideration of the administration of justice, let's not forget the administration of justice, outweighs the, that's my own comment by the way, outweighs the prejudice to the responding party. A district court's decision to grant discovery to determine jurisdictional facts is a matter of discretion. And this is the Columbia Insurance versus Seize Tandy case out of the Northern District of California. And let me see, that's 185 FRD 573, Northern District of California, 1999. That is a case that talked about good cause and showing the good cause for early, for early discovery. Set forth, talked about a three-factor test. And this court looked at the three-factor test. Let's take a look. Um, going back to the to the order, district courts in the Ninth Circuit, that's going to cover your western states, California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Montana, Idaho, I think maybe I missed one, Wyoming. Um, district courts in the Ninth Circuit apply a three-factor test to determine whether good cause exists to allow for expedited discovery to identify door defendants. Okay, now I'm break away for a second. So there is a rule here. There is a three-part test. This is in the Ninth Circuit, and it is discussed in, in detail in the Columbia Insurance versus Seize Candy case. Judges talking about this case, looking at the factors. One, first, the plaintiff should identify the missing party with sufficient specificity 
such that the court can determine that the defendant is a real person or entity who could be sued in federal court. Okay, I have no problems with that. Second, this is the one the judge focused on, by the way. Second, the plaintiff should identify all previous steps taken to locate the elusive defendant. Now, uh, to ensure that the plaintiff has made a good faith effort to identify and serve process on the defendant. Let me read that again to you. Second, the plaintiff should identify all previous steps taken to locate the elusive defendant to ensure that the plaintiff has made a good faith effort to identify and serve process on the defendants. Remember, they're over here in Florida courts and where we've seen motions to quash being filed against these uh, bill of discovery actions. We have seen we have seen them challenge the jurisdiction, the personal jurisdiction. Well, Strike Three says their servers are there. Um, that's one of their grounds they say for jurisdiction. But challenges have been made for preemption. If copyright is a federal action, why is it why is it being pursued here? They say, well, it's just an action in equity. And even that gets challenged saying, well, you have a remedy at law, it's copyright infringement. So anyway, I have not seen those cases being pursued when challenged. So there is that opportunity. Now, I just got off a, a another argument uh, arguing a, a basically a quash as to as to this. Um, you know, if they have this, if, if this is a viable, a viable option, as they say, these Florida state state court bill of discovery cases, if this is a viable option, as, as it was noted, then um, why wouldn't that be pursued? That's an easy way to get the name and number. They're telling they're they're telling the courts that that this is viable, that this is proper, and that they're just accommodating uh, defendants who want to be sued in another area. But if it's viable, why not just get the name and address there? It's uh, it's it's quick, easy. What's why not just go through? But that's not what's happening. Instead, what we're seeing is um, when challenged, they drop what's they quote unquote drop unknown infringers. So. Um, they have the chance to get that um, name and address there, and it doesn't happen. Now, some may say, you know, they may say, well, that's your fault. You wanted to be sued in California, so it's your fault. But we see cases where they're challenged and basically then pursued in a second action, what I term the East Coast, West Coast strategy. Now, so the court looked at that third this is important as well, but the court did not focus on this, but I think it's important. Third, the plaintiff should establish to the court's satisfaction that the plaintiff sued against the defendant could withstand a motion to dismiss, could withstand a motion to dismiss. Now, the Cobbler case is really important. The Cobbler case is, is also covers the Ninth Circuit. That case basically said, you, you, you know, strike three, you don't have a case if you can't allege something more and somebody is the infringer and is a subscriber to the internet. And since they're the subscriber, they must be the infringer. The court said that's not enough. You need something more. And we've seen Strike 3 try to come up with something more. And it's going to be a subject of, a, of another podcast I'm not going to go into now. You need to subscribe and make sure you try to subscribe to attorneystevevideos.com. That's where I put a lot of information, great information. So anyway, you have the third factor test is to be able to withstand a motion to dismiss. Now, Cobbler... I argue that Cobbler was a case that just basically just was decided on a motion to dismiss. It wasn't um, decided, it, it wasn't a discovery dispute. 
it wasn't an issue over whether or not third party or whether you should be allowed to do this early discovery or not. I did not see that. Okay. If I'm missing it, somebody please point it out to me, but I have not seen that. It was a case on whether you had sufficient evidence to, to withstand a motion to dismiss. And the cobbler case said, no, there was not enough. You can't saying someone is a subscriber is not the same as, as alleging that they're infringing. It's not the same thing. So I would argue now, we'll see if uh, I have a case pending. We'll see if the court agrees with me. I argue that motion to dismiss was not early discovery case, should be limited to its holding, limited to its facts. I, I believe that early discovery, although it was allowed, that was not the issue. And there was, I did not see that issue analyzed. I did not see any holding on that. And at best, at best, all I see is, is would be dicta. Um, so at any rate, but that's, again, that's my argument. We make arguments to courts, courts decide, um, different districts can rule differently. Different judges can rule differently unless there's a, a binding precedent. So at any rate, um, these are the three factors. These are the three factors from the Columbia insurance versus C's candy case, Northern district, California, the San Diego judge cited this decision and went over the three factors that this judge was not going to jump over everything and just skip right to it and say, okay, go get your discovery. They weren't going to do that. Um, discussion. This is where we get to the rationale and the ruling. Plaintiff seeks leave to serve a rule 45 subpoena on WebPass before the rule 26 F as in Frankfurter conference. I like hot dogs if you can't tell. So that plaintiff may obtain the true name and address of defendant. Plaintiff represented will only use this information to prosecute the claims made in its complaint. And without this information, plaintiff cannot serve defendant nor pursue this lawsuit and protect its copyrights. In light of the certain allegations in the complaint, the court will first analyze the second factors. So I told you this is what they're analyzing is the second. They skipped the first and didn't focus on the third, the motion to dismiss. Can you survive a motion to dismiss? Um, and I think it's natural to say at this level, of the beginning of a litigation, they don't know the name. They couldn't survive a motion to dismiss. In my opinion, this is the way I look at it. So why can't they just go through discovery in the regular course of things like everybody else does in a federal court lawsuit? That's my point, okay? Again, this is my legal argument. This is not fact. This is what I, what I would argue and what I did argue. Um, we'll see how that works out. But court said, let's look at the second factor, whether plaintiff has identified all the steps it took to locate the defendant to ensure the court that it has made a good faith effort to identify and serve process on the defendant. The court finds that plaintiff has not met its burden with respect to this factor. In the pending motion, plaintiff states that it has diligently attempted to locate defendant by searching for defendant's IP address using online search engines and various web search tools. Plaintiff further states that it also has reviewed numerous sources of authority, such as legislative reports, agency websites, and informational technology guides, not saying which ones, regarding whether it is possible to identify such a defendant by other means, and has discussed the issue at length with computer investigators and cybersecurity consultants. Plaintiff concludes that it cannot determine any other means of obtaining defendant's identity other than subpoenaing the information from defendant's ISP. However, plaintiff makes no reference in its motion 
to the following allegation in its complaint. In an effort to conserve federal judicial resources, Strike 3 originally moved to discover defendant's identity utilizing the state court procedure in Florida, where Strike 3's infringement detection servers are located. Defendant objected, asserting that the action is more properly litigated in the federal court of his or her domicile. Because plaintiff is amenable to litigating the matter in either form, this suit was initiated. A fair reading of this allegation suggests that defendant appeared in the prior action filed by plaintiff concerning the infringement alleged herein and identified the Southern District of California as his or her or its domicile. If defendant did make such an appearance, it seems to the court that plaintiff is aware of defendant's identity or at a minimum may have an available mechanism to determine defendant's identity. As such, based on this record, the court cannot conclude that the need for expedited discovery in consideration of the administration of justice outweighs the prejudice to the responding party. Conclusion, for the reasons stated above, the court denies plaintiff's ex parte motion. Denial is without prejudice to plaintiff refiling its motion if it can resolve the discrepancy between the allegations in its complaint and the present motion. Okay, so there you have it. Like I said, I think this is important to understand. There is a three-factor test in the Ninth Circuit. Check your jurisdiction if you're in another jurisdiction. This is not legal advice. This is general legal information only. Do not rely on this. This is, a lot of these are my opinions, and some of these things are based on this order and certain arguments that we're making. Okay, so there it is. It's important. We'll see how things work out. We'll see if there's any amendments in this case. We don't know if they'll come back and amend, that sort of thing. But again, early discovery, federal court, this is kind of what we're talking about. These are the things that should be looked at. Okay, now remember, when Strike 3 files these cases, it says, it says that they have said to courts, they use this MindVax technology. They have told me they know with 90, 90 plus, 95, even higher, I think even, I think I was even told 99% certainty that they check the MindMax database one when they learn of infringement. So they know that's true, then they know right off the bat when they're filing the Florida Bill of Discovery cases, they must know somebody's in California, just according to their own, to their own statements, and also before they file the federal suit. So they say they're looking twice, and that's from a, pulled from a pleading that I've reviewed. So at any rate, if you need some help in these cases, it can be complicated, it can be confusing. This is not an area for the novice attorney. This is not an area for your in-house counsel. We get referrals from all different kinds of attorneys who are not in the bid. There is no substitute for experience. And in our event, we have prepared in federal court, I don't know, over 150 to 200 so cases in copyright and other related matters, okay? So at any rate, if you need help, you know where to find us on the web at attorneysteve.com, attorneysteve.com. And again, don't forget to bookmark our video channel. Everybody's loving it. We hit 20,000 subscribers. And you can find that at attorneysteve.com. Okay, so I hope this has been helpful. 
And again, if you if you received an ISP notice from your so your uh, internet service provider, you get a limited time to respond. There's a release date. You want to make sure you're having these looked at by a professional attorney before experienced in these cases before you call them or cave in or do whatever you're going to do. We offer free consultations. It costs you nothing to get your, your basic questions answered and um, discuss where you're at. Okay. So um, thank you so much for listening. Have a great Saturday and we will be back. And, and about it. So have a great day. Actually, a few more minutes left here before this ends. Um, but I'm just going to say that, you know, these, these cases are very unfortunate. Parents, if you're out there, I urge you to take an interest in what your kids are doing online. Okay, take interest. Where, where are you going? Where are you serving? It costs you a lot of money. Okay, these things can cost you a lot of money. They're not fun to get into, get involved with, and they can end up literally costing you 10, 20, or more. Okay, we've had demand high as $50,000. Okay. So this is not funny. It's time to get involved with your kids, look around, tell your friends, stop downloading stuff on the torrents. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's copyright infringement if you're the person that's doing it. It's copyright infringement and the penalties can be very stiff. Um, you know, in copyright law, basically, if, you, if they can prove the infringement, your damages are anywhere from a minimum of $750 uh, could be on $250,000 if it was being willful. Now, that's so the, the liability is staggering. There are offenses, um, infringement, there's other things, you know, could require proof. Uh, they're not real big on giving you proof, showing what the videos, uh, showing how the videos, the bits and pieces are all assembled. Uh, that's something you would have to get into discovery to see, and litigating these cases can be expensive. Okay, so, but I wanted just to share this information with you, and these are the general things. You learn a little bit more about litigation. You learn a little bit more about early discovery. Federal court, it should not be a rubber stamp, in my opinion. Uh, it's to be defined and to be used in circumstances where a plaintiff can establish the burden of proof, the good cause, um, so there it is, folks. I'm going to run. i got to get going. And uh, have a great day, and I appreciate you listening. Take care now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.